Welcome to the Dark Depth Podcast, your go-to place for the modern legacy formats. I am one of your hosts, Billy Mitchell, and I am here with the voice of plenty, Michael Mapson. How are you? Uh, I'm pretty good today. How about yourself? I'm doing not too bad. Uh, I got, I don't know if I told you, I actually got my vaccine finally. Yeah, I just feel like everybody else has it, except for me. Well, uh, to, to be fair, I'm a teacher and your wife is a teacher, so I mean, like, two of the, two of the people you interact with fairly regularly got it, you know, because of work more than anything else. Yeah, but to be fair, I actually interact with more people on any given workday than either of you. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if that's actually true. I, I deal with them for longer periods of time, though. That is true. Yeah. But I don't think that makes a... I don't think that actually makes a difference in your favor. I think it does. I think, I think you... I think it's, I don't know if it's worth to have more people, or more people for less so, time. So or... think about it this way. If, if you interact with five people a day, right, mm-hmm. uh, then those are the five people that could pass it on to you. Mm-hmm. And yes, if you're with them for an hour, you're more likely to get it. Now then, if I interact with, let's say, 20 people a day, even if it's only half as long, I'm, you know, they're still likely to give it to me, except now I have four times as many people. Sure, but the people I interact possibly with, transmitting it to me. The people I interact with are for like forty minutes at a time, like. Right, you, but it, it it only takes a minute for them to give it to you. Yeah, but I thought the CDC was saying it needs to be like, what, fifteen minutes or longer with like the the time you're like dangerous. For exposure. Any amount of time is dangerous. I I agree. That's where I'm at. Well, hopefully you get your soon. That's that's what I'm. I'm hoping everyone kind of gets their vaccines. In the next couple of weeks. I will say I'm excited. I recently found out that uh, my job is paying me to get it, which is kind of sweet. That's nice. Uh, in addition to giving me like extra PTO to recover afterwards. Yeah, that's that's the part I think I I didn't take quite seriously. I got it on Sunday night, and then um, I was like, I went I went to work on Monday. I was like, oh, I don't feel too bad, and then like halfway through the day, I was like, I feel terrible. And then I, I went home and just, like, fell asleep for, like, two hours. It definitely it catches up to you eventually. So having a day off would be really nice. I mean, days off are always nice Ooh, in general. Yeah. But, but having a day off that's, like, you know, not counting against you just to recover, I think, would be, would be really good. All right. Um... Talking about recovering, I got actually really excited about this. I don't know if you saw, but we finally got some decklists back uh, from, you know, the online events that have been going on. I did, which is kind of nice to see, although they didn't actually post the the results from the PTQs, I don't believe, mm-hmm. which is kind of a bummer. It's like, I actually still see a ton of decklists, even when everything's down, just because of Twitter. Mm-hmm. But it'd be nice to... Uh, truly get access to like this is what came in 10th this is what came in 11th you know really get into the nitty-gritty of the data yeah and in two weeks and it's been two weeks right like that's a long period of time to not have information um and even if you're you know i guess if you're not really big into digging along on twitter um having two weeks without data is you know what are you supposed to be building off? What's the newest iterations? Like, I mean, like, unless you're listening to the Dark Depths podcast, um, you know, you might not actually have really gotten 
any hints about what's going on in the, in the metagame for the past two weeks. I never realized you were a data person. Oh, I'm a, literally a math, uh, like mathematician. Like, <laughs> no, no, I mean, in, in the argument of data versus data. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I use both interchangeably. I use data, datum, data, data, and datum. So. Wow, I, I can't trust somebody who just switches between them like that. Uh, I mean, this I, might be the last episode. <laughs> but like, I, use, I use like caramel and caramel, too. I think it just depends on what we're talking about. I actually do that one also. So. Yeah. I guess I'm just as bad. Mm-hmm. Worse, probably. I mean. Do you actually know anyone who says potato? No. No human says potato. That's nonsense. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. I'm sure there's, like, that one person somewhere. I hope there is. I hope they're a listener, and I hope they let us know. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, my my really my really big concern is the people who call Dunkin' Donuts Dunkin' Donuts. Like, it's Dunks. It could be Dunkin'. But it's not Dunkin' Donuts. That's what that's what cops say. No offense to cops, but obviously you. Have- yeah, I don't think anybody on the planet, other than maybe the CEO, puts as much thought into Dunkin' as you do. Mm-mm. But you know, whatever makes you happy. To be fair, I think Ralph Patesh puts more interest into Dunkin' Donuts than I do. Man, that's obsessed. Yeah, that's that's possible. <laughs> Um, all right, but yeah, I mean, I mean, it's good to have the deck list back. It's you know, obviously, we haven't got really gotten anything significant yet. Like you said, they didn't put in the um qualifiers, we ended up getting some of the data um from other sources, which is good. Um, but it, I'm just happy that it's back. It, it was a I missed it for the past two couple weeks. Um, well, yeah, I am a big fan of reading through this stuff. Um, I think. Despite feeling like I'm always at work, I have probably more free time than the average person. And so it's really gives me something to do, Mm -hmm. which sounds like the nerdiest statement on the face of the earth. (laughs) Well, I mean, like the, you know, the number of people who are playing, you know, the tier one decks and whatnot, obviously is very high. But, you know, like the way that it's set up, you you do get to see some things that are a little bit off the the beaten path. Um, And, you know, maybe not all of them are winners right um but you know maybe sometimes you get the um you know terramander lay the stage deck uh maybe you get the uh version of death attacks that's playing um brightling instead you know like you know these are things that need to come up eventually and you know maybe it's even finding that um you know demystify on the sideboard of um you know spirits or something like that that really um get people's brains working. I think it's just good to have at least more, you know, data points where you can start looking at stuff and at least trying to reconfigure and reevaluate what you're doing. So, All right. Well, let's actually start off. We got, I don't want to say lucky, but um, Joe Dwyer, or Dyer, sorry, um, and bunch of other people i know that i know he listed them on twitter i know you're one of them right you were actually helping out with the um getting information for the legacy super qualifier yes so uh one thing thank you to all those people who ended up getting the data together it's just a huge undertaking i feel like trying to coordinate that many people and um get this data together every week or so i actually think it would be easier if there were more people um, okay. there's actually not a lot of people and what ends up happening is 
the few people that are there have to watch such an insane amount of games. Mm. And I mean, one of the really tricky things, it's not as bad right now, but sometimes, uh, you know, archetypes are so similar. So like a while ago, uh, especially before Oko got banned, it was like, okay, is this Snow Miracles or is it Snowco? Mm. Or is it, you know, this other, like, or is it Hole Breacher? That was, that was truly terrible. That makes sense. But the PTQ was kind of awful because it was 308 players. Yeah. So it did take a while. Um, but just throwing it out there, we need more people, not less. Okay. Yeah, so I guess you have, what, eight people total, right? It's Joe and seven other people. So, yeah, I guess eight people for 308, match, uh, 308 players playing God knows how many matches. Like, yeah. Yeah, I, I, guess, I can definitely imagine that too. Like, there there are definitely a number of matches that do in the first three turns. If you're like, I don't know what this is yet. So you watch three more turns, you're like, I still have no idea what this is. And then you go to game two, you're like, oh, okay, well, that's unfortunate. Um, so, yeah, big undertaking. That's really cool that you guys keep doing this. All right, well, let's actually look at the you know, top eight a little bit. I mean, we don't have to dig into every bit about this, but at least some of the... Um, big takeaways here. Uh, the winner of this was uh, JTL005 playing Espervile, um, which I haven't actually seen the list for this deck, um, but do, do you know a little bit about it? Uh, yeah, so this is Jeff Lynn. Uh, he's actually been playing this Espervile deck for a while now. Very good at it. I mean, he's just very good at magic in general. Um, so the deck is, uh, for anybody who has seen it, it's pretty stock uh what he's been playing i mean he kind of decides what is stock for this list to be fair um but you know your typical aether vials baleful strixes one soul herder which never makes sense to me how only one uh especially because even when he plays with yorian still stays at one but it's the 60 card version it's one i just feel like there has to be a point where you play more Uh, but i don't understand this deck um, you know, he's playing his battling mages, and he's just generally trying to control the board with creatures. Um, I really don't have a lot to say about this deck, because every time I play against it, it demolishes me, and every time I play with it, it just... I don't do anything and get demolished, so I just clearly don't understand the stack and how it functions. I mean, it has a lot of just interaction, right? Like, it is, and it's an Aether Vile deck, I think, really at the base of it. Um, and each of the cards does something really unique in, you know, especially versus, like, a depth deck, I think pretty devastating in some spots. So, like, whether it's, um, you know, trying to play around with, or like, being able to block with Baleful Tricks, or being able to, um, you know, actually, you know, trade creatures with Gilded Drake, or, you know, prevent combat with Peacekeeper. Like, this deck is constantly just interacting. Yeah, I mean, this deck is, there's a lot of moving pieces. There, There's a lot going on, a lot of choices. This definitely feels like a deck where, you, you know, sometimes you play a deck and you're just like, oh, well, there, there was nothing I could have done. This, to me, is the kind of deck that you play it, and after every game, you're like, okay, let me analyze that. Like, what did I do right? What did I do wrong? Because you're just making so many choices. Uh, especially because the whole thing's kind of tied together by Recruiter of the Guard. Mm. So you're really just tutoring every turn, especially because the first Recruiter, uh, assuming you're not, like, dying on board, often ends up getting the Soul Herder or 
Or not the soul herder. It can't get soul herder, right? It's like charming friends so that you can get something else. No, it can get, it can yeah. get um, soul herder. Yeah, so you get soul herder and then you're flickering it every turn and tutoring up whatever you need. Yeah, I think that just looking at the creature package, um, and this is just a, one of Jeff Lynn's older versions of the deck, but, um, you know, being able to um, get play the four of, like the only four of in the deck are Baleful Strix, Charming Prince, Meddling Mage, and Recruit of the Guard. So I, I just think it's funny. It's like, well, one of these is just a tutor. One of them just flickering so you can re-tutor, um, you know, or re, you know, fix your Meddling Mage or, um, you know, reset your apparition and whatnot. Um, and then Belfast Strix is just, like, a value creature, which is, like, not the worst thing to be blinking if you need to. Like, and obviously Meddling Mage is just annoying. <laughs> so I just, I think it's a really cool um, set of creatures that, that they're playing. Um, I also do like the the other, you know, the non-creatures in this deck, too. Like, they do have access to things like uh, Teferi, um, access to Force of Negation, Force of Will, so it does have a pretty good counter set. And something I didn't quite realize, too, looking at the creatures, is that most of them actually are blue. Like, um, obviously, Charming Prince and uh, Peacekeeper and Recruit of the Guard aren't. Um, neither is the one copy of the Skyclave Apparition from the Palace Jailer, but a number of the creatures in the deck, um, you know, you do get the Meddling Mage, you do get Baron, uh, Talarian, Archmage, um, and Baleful Strix. Like, there's a lot of high blue count, so Force of Will and Baleful Strix actually, uh, Baleful Strix, uh, Force of Negation, uh, do get turned on really easily here. Um, I love that this deck is playing Baron, by the way. It's just so mm. random. Actually, my favorite card that is playing is Fibblethip. Yeah, Fibblethip is a cool one. That's a really neat card. Um, well, I like the fact that, that it's playing Fibblethip, um, it's playing Baron, and it's playing Venser, and that goes really well with the two main deck Caracasus, too. So <laughs> if you want to, you just have to keep uh, playing them. And especially with the Vile, too, being able to, like, um, you know, Bounce Baron back to your hand, and then, uh, which I think actually it could be wrong. Um, yeah, if you if you Caracas your Baron back and then put Baron back into play and then bounce like your opponent's I don't know Merit Lage, right? You still get the trigger from the Baron, which is I think really cool because you bounced it itself back to um, your hand, which I think is really neat. Or you could just I guess Caracas the um, Merit Lage. I guess that probably makes a little more sense, but. I like being rude. So, also some of the cards in this sideboard are just like actually absurd. Like they're playing Fourth Bridge Prowler. Like has that card ever seen play? Uh, yeah, in Aloran. Yeah, okay, that's cool. Uh, Fourth Bridge um, Prowler, by the way, um, is from Aether Revolt. Um, it's a black one-one. Um, uh, when fourth bridge prowler enters the battlefield, you may have target creature get negative one, negative one until end of turn. It just does not seem like a legacy playable card. Um, so the fact that it's just here is, I think, very, very surprising. That's one of those cards that I guess has a very good purpose. I just don't know what it is. Um, I, I guess it could be just hitting the occasional elf or hitting the occasional mom. Um, that's, I guess that's what I'm thinking. I, guess I mean, I think it's just an additional piece of removal that you can tutor for. Okay. Jeff has a tendency to go very deep on some of his card choices, but there's always a reason. And I mean, I think this card kind of makes sense, especially with you bouncing it. Mm -hmm. You know, you can pick off an unflipped Delver. It can pick off um, a young Pyromancer. Like, 
you know, it's not going to do everything that your Plague Engineer is going to do, but it's just another option. It's a little bit quicker. Makes sense. Does the uh, one ley line of the void in the sideboard make sense? Hey, look, man, sometimes <laughs> you don't have room for more than one. You can hard cast it, too. You can. Yeah, for sure. I feel like you're, there's no acceleration in the deck, so you're actually casting on turn four if you can curve out to turn four. Um, and, like, you're also, like, you could just play, like, Remorseful Cleric, right? They, they're already playing one on the sideboard here, so, like, I feel like playing a second Remorseful Cleric might not be the worst. Um, that'll, like, maybe a Yixi Jailer if you want, like, a different card, but I was just surprised to see a, one copy of a Ley Line. I, I just don't question Jeff when it comes to the stack. Yeah. That's, that's just my rule of thumb. That's probably, probably for the best. It's, like... Arguing with Hello Newton over over Elves. Um, I will say uh, one last point on it before we move on. Mm. I really do like that uh, this deck has gone from being 60 cards to 80 cards and including Yorion. I think that's actually an old switch. Like, I think that happened while Oko was still legal. But I really do appreciate that change because it just means that you can fit in more tutor targets. Mm. You're less likely to draw something in a situation where it's not good. Uh, so I, I really kind of appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. Because I, I, I do think, you know, cards like Hull Breacher is really powerful. Um, you know, Peacekeeper is obviously really good. Plague Engineer. But, like, there are definitely matchups where you do not want to see any of those three cards. So um, yeah. being able to, you know, not tutor it, but I guess minimize the odds of you drawing it naturally unless you want it. Um, I think it's, it's definitely a good thing for this deck. It also makes your Wastelands better because the mana in the 60-card version of this deck was hot garbage. Uh, as much as I just said I will not argue with Jeff, that is one thing I would <laughs> would have definitely argued with him about. So just going a little bit bigger and just makes the Wastelands uh, a little less important um, for your mana yeah. base? A little less clunky. It, it's just, you know, you're playing stuff like Meddling Mage and Paleful Strix where you need to have, like, the correct color requirements. And then you just had Wastelands in your deck, and mm. they were so bad. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, interesting. You know, this, this is definitely one of, the, it's one of those decks I always say, like, I might try this, but I don't, I don't think I'm going to try this. But I would be interested. I'm going to point out this deck is... Uh, 1,400 ticks, so you're not trying it. I'm never playing this deck. This deck is, this deck is <laughs> unplayable to me. No. Um, but uh, the rest of the top eight, I think, was, was actually pretty diverse, all things considered, right? And it's, um, we obviously Esper Violin first. Uh, we got a copy of Death and Taxes. We have a copy of Elves, one copy of um, Ad Nauseam Tendrils, uh, one copy of Rug Delver. Uh, we've, we see Reanimator. Um, we've got Depths, and we've got Eldrazi, like pretty spread out actually and even going a little past that you do see some other um pretty different decks showing up um whether it's the shadow which is of course played by true hero um into play is playing mono green cloud post we see a copy of dredge um our friend actually um kellen was playing uh titan reclaimer and then quickly stelver and like, there's a copy of ninjas in the top it's top 16 too so just, in general just really top um, really diverse top 16 here. Yeah. So a couple of big takeaways about uh, the top of the field here for me mm -hmm. is the relative lack of Rug Delver after mm -hmm. people were, you know, terrified of the dominance of the stack. The fact that it only had one copy in top eight 
And then the next copy is in 23rd place, I believe. 22nd. Uh, 22nd. Yeah. Like, that's really saying something that Ragdover didn't put up like very strong results, which I have thoughts about. Um, I think it's also pretty nice to see the vile decks doing well. I think that's generally a sign of a good format, even if I personally am very bad with Aether Vile decks, which is what I have come to realize. <laughs> so I like to see those doing well. Uh, I love to see Ant doing well, especially because I can play Ant and I cannot play Tess. Uh, so <laughs> anytime Ant does well, I can tell myself that it's the superior Storm deck mm-hmm. and make myself a little bit happy. I am surprised to see Reanimator in here. Obviously love to see Depths doing well. Uh, it is the slow build for anybody who is curious. They were playing with Fox Diamonds, Dark Confidants, and Sylvan Libraries all in the main. Be still my beating heart. <laughs> love that card advantage. Mm-hmm. So I, I do really like this top eight. Uh, it's also worth noting overall, fairly fair top eight. Yeah, yeah, I think in general. Yeah, I mean, we don't see anything... Obviously, there's a copy of Ant here, um, but there's no, like, oops or anything like anything super crazy like that. Um, we're not dealing with... I mean, not even Doomsday in here. Like, doesn't really show up. So it's not like a super combo-laden, obviously. You know, Elves and Ant, Reanimator, all well, do have their combo-esque elements, but... At this point, we could probably actually just call Elves a straight-up combo deck, I guess. Right. I, I think it really depends on the build. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the expectation is that you're going to die to, um, you know, Creator of Behemoth, but I, I do think there's a number of games where you just die to an overwhelming army of elves. So I always hesitate to call it just straight up a combo deck, but it, it obviously does have the combo finish in most situations, so you're probably right. But I do really like this top eight. I love the diversity. Love that. Uh, love that Doomsday isn't just like half of the slots, with Rugged Over being the other half. Like that. That makes me very happy. Mm-hmm. Well, I wanted to ask you too. So, you know, we normally talk about Rugged Over being one of those decks that it might not win every challenge. It might not even top eight every challenge. There's definitely some weeks where we've we've seen Saturday and Sunday. Um, no copies in the top eight or maybe even the top 16. But we always expect Rug Delver is going to be the deck that shows up when we have these big events. And, you know, this is a legacy super qualifier. We got a couple of people to go to the Pro Tour off of uh, playing this format. And we have one copy of Rug Delver in the top eight, which is, you know, pretty good. Um, but top 16, it's still only one copy. If we get into the top 32, we get up to three copies. Like, is it was this just not a good weekend for Rug Delver, or is there something else changing in the metagame that's affecting the positioning of Rug Delver right now? Okay, time to fire up the hot take machine. Oh, hot take. Rug Delver? Rug Delver is not a good deck. Whoa. Um, <laughs> so, I know everybody gravitates towards Delver, and I, I don't think Delver is ever truly going to be a particularly bad strategy by any means. Um, but Rug Delver, I don't think, is anything special. I don't think it's any better than anything else. Um, I will say I have never been a huge fan of Rug Delver decks in general, unless they are broken. So, like, during Run in Six Days, I was like, yes, this is a good deck. Uh, 
when Dreadhorde Arcanus was out, I was on board that it was a good deck. But Rug Delver, I think, is... So, it's again, it's never truly bad, but I do think it's exploitable. And uh, when you know it's going to be showing up in numbers as heavy as it is, uh, which right now, it it is still, like, I think about a quarter of these players were on it, if I remember correctly. Oh, wow. I mean, we could okay. check real quick. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, Brug Delver really does its thing by putting people off balance and kind of really just putting them in a spot where they're behind and trying to kill them before they can catch back up. But if you know how to play against Rung Delver and you build your deck correctly, I think you can get to this point where like you're not really stumbling early and then in the late game, you can kind of bully them. So I think players showed up with strategies ready to beat Rung Delver and I just want to be clear, this isn't me saying like, oh, every deck has a good matchup against Rug. Like, I, I'm i not that person who's like, this beats Rug, and this beats Rug, and this beats Rug. But I do think if people are prepared for it, that the deck is very beatable. And also, you know, a lot of these decks that are in the top eight, I think actually do have a good Rug Delver matchup. Uh, I believe Esper Vile, like Jeff built this deck to beat Rug Delver. Um, Colin Roundtree, who came in second, is the Death and Taxes master. He has not actually been playing much Legacy lately, but, you know, he picked up an old standby, and we hear all the time Death and Taxes is good versus Rug. Uh, Elsa is good versus Rug. Ant is good-ish against Rug, depending on how both decks are built. Um, historically, yeah. it's good matchup for Ant, though. It's pretty good. Yeah, and that's, that's just to interject real quick. I always think that if you're if you're gonna have to play Delver versus a like a Nauseam, like I'd rather be playing Blue Red Delver. I'd rather be playing Grixis Delver than playing Rug. Like Rug is definitely the weakest of those three against the um, the combo heavy decks. So. Yeah, big agree with that. Um, I will say right now a lot of Rug Delver pilots are playing Stifle which does make that matchup worse. When you have Stifle, Force Negation, and Force of Will, hmm. it can be kind of tricky, but, you know, Ant is still probably favored there. Uh, I, again, I'm kind of surprised to see Reanimator made it into this top eight. That one's truly terrible against Rug. Um, Depths, uh, I hate to say it, but I think the particular build that the supplier was playing is not great against Rug, but I don't think it's bad against Rug. Um, and Eldrazi, I think it used to be favored against Rug. Uh, now that's actually probably not true, but it's, you know, I don't think it's going to be a particularly bad matchup. Although if the Rugged Over player resolves Uro, then that's kind of the game on the spot. Yeah, for sure. So, okay. And just to kind of go back a little bit to, um, yeah, Rugged Over was, um, played by 49 players, it looks like. So that's uh, about a sixth of the field. Um, a significant portion. It's a, by far the largest deck uh, being played in this tournament. Yeah, so like 17%, basically. Yeah. Yeah, like that's, that is significant. Um, it, you know, the next best um, highest deck was Bank Control with 28 pilots. Like that is, from 49 to 28, that is huge. Uh, that is a deck that I am slightly surprised 
we did not see doing better than it did. Uh, the band control? Um, yeah, so I actually played uh, I played a league or two with that leading up to this event. I was curious about its positioning. Um, and it, it feels very good against Rug. I will say, ultimately, I did not play it, so maybe I shouldn't be surprised that it didn't do better because, you know, I came to the conclusion it wasn't a good choice. Um, my, my issue with that deck is it's very reliant on Uro. Uh, it's very good at kind of getting control of the board but it's very bad at actually closing games out. So I felt like if my opponent had surgical extraction and was able to hit my arrow, uh, then all of a sudden games where I was very ahead became games that I was, you know, struggling to win out of nowhere. So I didn't like that, but I kind of assumed people who were more practiced with the deck would put up good numbers. I mean, I definitely it's one of those decks I, I think if you're not used to the play patterns, like it, it definitely is filled with powerful cards, 100%. Um, but I, I think it's one of those decks that if you are not used to playing on, I don't say a different, that, like that particular axis in this format, you're just going to get kind of bullied here and there until you, the game's out of control. Um, and I, I do think this deck, and that's kind of my, like my point while playing, um, I, I guess I didn't say this on the, on the podcast, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, um, but I've been playing a lot of um, Hogak, right? And this is one of those matchups that I, you know, my, really my big plan versus the deck is just to not die to Uro. Like, that's that's really the only thing I care about. If I don't die to Uro, I, I'm not really cared about um, Quaddle. Um, I'm not going to die to Narset. That doesn't, that's not a really concern nine times out of ten. Um, if I just draw zero cards and discard two cards, I'm actually kind of happy in some spots. Um, don't really care about Teferi. I, I'm probably not going to die to Jace, the Mind Sculptor. Like, the only way they're going to reliably kill me is using Uro, so my plan is just to um, play Layla on the Void, which coincidentally makes um, their Snapcasters a lot worse um, and makes the game a little bit easier for me in some other aspects too. And uh, But obviously it's just on Uro. So I, I think there's a lot of decks right now that have still the, the shell shock um, of those Oko Uro decks that still have that plan of, well, I'm still not dying to Uro. Like, that's still not happening in, in our games. Um, so I do think there's a, a, a little bit of a target on the back. I don't know if it's justified at this point, um, but I do think there's a, a target on the back of these um, Uro decks to not die to that deck. I mean, I think it's definitely justified if we look at what a huge percentage of the field they were. Mm -hmm. like, I'm not trying to show up to an event uh, not feeling super great against something when it's going to be over 20% of the field, mm -hmm. which is what Uro was. So, uh, Yeah, I, I do wonder about these decks. So I I do think they're really close. I think they are probably misbuilt. Um, I wonder if we should go back to playing Entreat the Angels somewhere. Okay. And I will say I'm, I'm not the person who should be building these decks, I don't think, but I would not be surprised to see Entreat or... Uh, monastery mentor makes their way back into this deck. I just really think you need a way to end the game that's not Uro. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, you have your Jaces, yeah, you have your Shark Typhoon, but it's just also slow. Yeah. Um, that being said, resolving Shark Typhoon oh, feels so good. Well, it's just, like I, I'm, I'm greedy. I feel like if I was actually playing Shark Typhoon, I would want to play the, um, the. Well, Heliod's Hall of Generosity, or whatever the heck that card is called, to keep putting that bad boy on top of my deck and making more sharks. That's all I want. Well, I mean, if you just cast it, then you can make all the sharks you want. 
So yeah, but they won't be giant. Like the biggest shark you can make is a thick, thick. But then I have to like put it under the like at the bottom of the deck because I cast terminus. Like that's not worth it. Oh uh, yeah, that made me pretty sad when I had to terminus away my shark for the first time. Uh huh. Yeah, one man. It's, it was really awkward because the six six shark would have been good enough too. <laughs> it, it does have the, the. I guess the the upside though is that when you do do that, your opponent has to decide: Do I actually care about my board that much? Because like they're they're gonna have a six six shark, so I could counter this this terminus and deal with the six six shark, or I could just let this go. I'm just gonna let this go. I'm not gonna fight that mm-hmm. shark, um, which which is you know ironic, right? There are actually some situations where it's probably better to to counter the terminus and fight through the shark, but like it's hard to tell. So it, it's some upside for sure. At least, or at least if they if you spend one mana to make a six six shark. And make them get rid of their counter spell. Like that's also a pretty good deal. Yeah, most of my sharks were just one ones though. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like the deck is, you know, brainstorm, ponder, um, source of power share. That's twelve right there, um, and obviously Prudent and spell pierce. Like there are a lot of one drops you're you're playing in this deck. So but let me tell you, the first time you forcible something with the shark typhoon out, oh, so good, oh, it feels so good. Yeah, like the fact that you get the, the free spells with the force and the force of negation too, that that has to be sweet. I, th- I think even casting a Jason Mind Sculptor and being like, and I got a 4 4, like, <laughs> this is the best yeah. Master of the Fells ever. Well, getting a blocker for your planeswalker right away is pretty sweet. Mm. Yeah, like that. This is, it, the deck seems sweet. I mean, but once again, I think, it's, I think it's really powerful. It just. I'm not sure how the pieces actually come together um, in this in this format, but I, once again, I've I've been playing a ton of Legacy lately, so this is um, my kind of you know thousand mile perspective here. All right. Um, yeah. So just looking at the. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, so I was just gonna say. Uh, the next deck in this um, in this top, well, actually not in the top eight. I, I just want to talk about Kellen's deck real quick. Oh yeah, he was playing um, like a Titan Reclaimer list, right? Yeah. So I mean, he's playing. Uh, it's something very similar to the green white Titan decks from Modern. Um, I mean, Kellen's been on this deck for a while. I used to play a kind of this Bug Primeval Titan deck. So it's a really cool list. He's playing Mox Diamonds uh, to ramp him out a little bit. He's playing Elfish Reclaimers with Flagstones of Trocare. Actually, sorry, he was not playing Flagstones this week, but has played them in the past. Uh, but Mox Diamonds into Dryads, into Uros slash Primeval Titans with, you know, a Green Sun Zenith package, a Valica package to go with your Dryad, a bunch of lands, especially Field of the Dead, bunch of ancient tombs to kind of speed you up it's this really cool deck um that being said you may have noticed that this deck sounds incredibly fair uh, in, in the past this list has played things like trinisphere or chalice of the void uh, but i really like what he did here which was basically set me i don't care about combo decks rug delver is everywhere rug delver is going to keep combo in track and he just played like the most Fair game. Uh, well, I don't want to call it the most fair. 
but you know he played this fair strategy that basically can never beat a combo deck but just goes bigger than like all the other fair decks and so i really like this approach uh, where you just go i don't care about beating combo i'm only going to see it once maybe twice during this event but like if you give me your delvers and your control decks i will smush them mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is, in, for those who don't know, um, Kellen Pastor is like a, I think he's like one of the most underrated, and I'm not saying underrated because, you know, we know him personally, I, I literally think he's one of the, like, most underrated Platinum Bros that just ever existed. Um, he, like, posted, he was posting deck lists um, pretty much, like, every other day um, when he was playing, um, you know, like, a lot of Magic, and he still plays a, you know, a decent amount of Magic still in quarantine. Um but he will post these deck lists that you're just like looking at, like that can't be good. And he'll tell you, like I played this, this went one and four. This deck was terrible. Never play this. Like, oh, that's really nice. He'll play this other deck that looks kind of interesting. And you're like, he's like, I went four one. I don't think these these five deck cards are good. I would change this. I would cut that. Um, but I think this is a, is a promising start. Like, really a good follow on Twitter if you haven't followed him already. It's the Odd Engineer. Definitely check him out. Um, yeah, yeah, like, because some of these cards are not things I, I guess I'm used to, right? Like, you know, if you say I'm playing a, um, you know, quote unquote, I guess a rec- reclaimer deck, right? Like, it makes sense. I'm obviously playing rec- reclaimer, playing green sun zenith. Um, I don't think I've ever seen um, was it Rakasta of the Infinite Web? Is that what that card's called? I don't think I've seen that cast in Arasta of the Endless Web. Endless Web. Oh man, my my bad for not remembering that standard all star. You know what I mean? Like, like that's a card that like I haven't seen in standard. I don't think I've seen in modern. And he's just playing it, just straight up in legacy. I've seen it in both modern and legacy. The card's good against Delver. Okay. Good against Prowess. Hmm, okay. Yeah. So that card seems interesting. Um, I do like the fact he's, you know, playing like the, the one copy of the Field of the Dead. Um, and you know, I also like the idea of playing uh, Rimina Excavator um, alongside Dryad. I think that's always a, a really neat combo. We, we've obviously seen stuff like that before playing um, Excavator with things like um, Azusa or something like that um, to get some extra value. So I think it's a really sweet combo here. Yeah, but I, I just really uh, appreciate this approach. I don't think enough people do this where they go into an event and just go... I'm just going to ignore this subsection of decks. Uh, I think more people should adapt approaches like this. And that's not to say this is always right, right? Mm. Because, like, if every week everybody just ignores combo decks, combo decks are going to just, you know, run rampant. But yeah. I think, you know, really being able to read the metagame and go, I am not expecting to see this if I get past the first two rounds. So I'm just going to ignore it. I think that's. A good attitude to have you know sometimes you'll get punished really hard but that's fine i i mean it is you just yeah. are trying to put yourself in the best position yeah this was um i mean i think that even to that point though like if you're playing against decks that are you know attacking the Delver decks, right? Like, there, there is eventually going to be somebody who's going to be playing the deck that's going to be really, really well-positioned against these these combo decks. Like, it's like you can only cast, um, you know, I'm going to be playing Mean Deck Chalice or um, Chalice of the Void or Trinisphere or, or I'm going to be playing, you know, multiple copies of 
uh, damping sphere in my sideboard. Like you know, those decks do exist too. So it it's hopefully about balance in the in the long run. Um, let's also, and I want to actually see if I can find, um, true heroes list too, because I thought he had a really interesting build, um, but I'm not sure if I can actually find his, his deck list at this point. I'll, I'll see if I can find it later. Um, but I think at this point, um, true hero is like one of those people that whenever they, post their you know death shadow um delver list you you kind of have to pay attention because it's, it's probably one of the better things you could be doing in the format and i think he is definitely one of those um pioneers of the shadow decks and legacy um it's the matter hopefully they get a little more a little more press I, I think they're really good i don't actually know if it's one of the best things you can be doing or if it's just what he likes to do it's hard to tell, I feel like. I mean, like, I do think the deck, and it bothers me I can't find it now. Um, I do think the deck in general is uh, really powerful. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think it's one of those decks that um, people don't quite grasp how powerful it is. And once again, because it is uh, him playing it and he, he does play it all the time. Um but I, I've been impressed with it. You know, watching the games here and there, I've been impressed with um, how he's able, to, um, how he's able to uh, play the deck in the format. So um, it's a shame I can't find the deck list. I'll have to, I'll have to see if I can find it later. I know I saw. Um, I found it. It's not that interesting. What? How's it not interesting? I thought it was interesting. I mean, these are just like all cards I've seen before. Uh, so for the listeners, it's you know. A suite of lands. Uh, typical Brainstorm, Ponder, Death Shadow, uh, one Fatal Push, four Thoughtseize, four Days, two Tarmogoyf, one Drown in the Lock, two Abrupt Decay, two Brazen Borrower, one Force of Negation, one Dismember, one Leovold, four Force of Will, four Straight Wraith, three Ethereal Forager. Not okay. that interesting. Well, I mean, I don't, I'm not normally seeing the Ethereal Forgers in the Bug Shadow deck, so like, that's, not a, that's not a thing I normally see. Uh, it's pretty stock now. Is it really? Yep. Man. Keep up with the times, old man. I know. I'm just like, ugh, aging out. Ugh. Okay. Well, I guess that's not interesting. Um, cool. Any other takeaways from the Legacy Super? Uh, I think it was really cool that it was like 308 people. It was yeah. really impressive. Go Legacy community. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played, uh, if anyone was curious. I finished uh, 6-3, which is not great, not terrible. Uh, You know, gave me more than my entry back, so can't complain too much. Uh, I played Rainbow Depths. Thought it was a good choice. I I felt like Stifle was really well positioned for this weekend. um, Because I think Rog Delver, since you just want to get to the late game against him... If you can make them stumble in the way that, you know, they try to make other decks stumble, I think they're fairly easy to beat. I also was expecting a good amount of Terminus, which, I mean, I we said Bant was the second most popular deck, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so having Stifle as, like, an additional answer for Terminus, I really appreciated. 
Uh, that being said, I kind of like the thought of playing something with like Sylvan Library or Dark Confidant um, as additional card advantage against Miracles. Uh, but I wasn't sure how that would work with the relatively painful mana base that you already have mm-hmm. in that deck. Um, so I thought I thought that would be a good choice. And, you know, it worked okay. Not great. I picked up picked up my losses early and then just played it out anyways and kind of rallied back. Okay. It was a good time. Good. Um yeah, just in I guess on the ending note too, like it looks like the best performing decks there are a lot of decks that were like between like fifty and above, just like looking at this. Um some of this doesn't isn't like really worth speculating on like F Previle with a one eleven and one with one pilot, so had a ninety one percent Win percentage, which obviously is pretty high. Um, Dredge at least had four pilots and went, um, looks like, what, 62%, which is, I think, pretty respectable. Um, Elves had 13 pilots, had a 50, uh, 57% win percentage. Um, I'm actually surprised that's not higher. Just keep in mind, Elves top eight it and then also had a copy in ninth place. So yeah. it really feels like people were dragging it down. Mm-hmm. So if anything, that actually looks bad, especially considering the ninth place pilot was Julian. So mm. you can almost always expect him to do well. Yeah. Um, Monogreen Cloudpost, two pilots, but not 71%. Uh, probably not high enough to really... Yeah, but one of them's Tony, so like yeah. you can't really count him. Yeah, it's the same thing. For sure. I, I don't know. There's two, two schools of thought. Either you look at the archetype specialists and see how they're doing, or my thing is you kind of ignore them because they're always going to do well. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that's a good a good strategy. Like, once again, especially when it's few, like, five or less is probably, can you you can start ignoring those people. Um, the Rug Delver had obviously 49 people, and, like, that was four, uh, 48%. And I think that might be the opposite problem, where you do have some people who are very skilled with it. Obviously, the person um, who made top eight, I assume, was, uh, would be pretty good. Um, I know the second-place pl- player was um, Twinless Twin, who, you know, Max is obviously a very good player himself. Um, but that is, that is the deck that if you want to play the best deck, you're just going to play Rug Delver, regardless if you have the reps or not. So it's hard to say if, you know, Rug Delver actually has a win percentage of 48% or if people are just dragging it down because they just jumped in without the, you know, uh, necessary practice. So you mentioning Twinless Twin, uh, makes me, uh, reminds me of something else I want to bring up about Rug Delver. Okay. Uh, so... You know, everyone's playing Uro in Reg Delver. Mm-hmm. But, like, Twinless Twin, um, Alex, Jay Chen, and I think a couple other people have tried cutting it recently, uh, thinking that it doesn't synergize with the overall Delver game plan. And I'm really curious, moving forward, what's going to end up being right. Uh, I like playing with Sylvan Library and Uro personally, because I think that engine is one of the most powerful things to be doing in Legacy right now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, again, that gets broken up by surgical extraction, and then that leaves you in a kind of weak spot. Uh, but it's it's interesting. Those players have put up, you know, fairly strong results so far, just cutting the arrows from their deck. So I do wonder, like, is playing the more dedicated Delver game plan correct? Yeah, I mean, and that's... Once again, that's the, the kind of exciting thing about the format right now. Like, we're still in a place where people... We were 
in a place where we knew what the best drug delver deck looked like. We knew you're supposed to be playing four of these and some number of these. And I think it's really exciting that we're back in a spot where it's like, I actually don't know what the best version is, but we actually get to play it out over the next couple weeks. So I'm really excited for that. All right, let's transition into the uh, NRG series then. I know they, they just had a their monthly tournament. I know we're actually... Um, coming up really close to the next one too it's really it's, it's odd that they're so close together this time but um i guess because of i guess they're trying to do it before easter i guess or is it is easter is it this weekend or next weekend the um the next monthly i have no clue i thought you were asking me what easter was and i was like i don't know that either yeah easter like is next you would sunday. be the one to know that i i do know that one yeah easter is sure. next sunday um one of us works at a Catholic school, and one of us does not. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, we got really this just on a on a weird Catholic tangent. Um, so, at my school, um, during on Fridays during Lent, we can't eat meat. No, they don't even offer meat. Um, but we had the feast day of Saint Joseph, which on feast days, if they fall on a Friday during Lent, you are actually supposed to eat meat. So, what they did at our school is that they ignored that and just gave us grilled cheese so that was really really disappointing it was like because we were all so excited because it's like oh we get to eat meat today during lent what do we do and they're like nah here's here's grilled cheese and tomato soup i'm like that's not neat thanks thanks jerks so grilled cheese and tomato soup is pretty good though yeah i guess but like it was just disappointing i was hoping for like i don't know like cheeseburgers even i would have been pumped about just on a friday it just it just feels like one of those things you're not supposed to be able to do so the fact that they're like yeah you can do it today do it like a priest is literally just you know it's like walking around being like remember to eat meat today enjoy that steak later you're like Ooh, okay um it's, it's weird i don't know being in catholic school is weird so um but anyways um looking at the energy series and I, I think we've gotten to a point where we kind of understand what's happening in modern i, I don't think modern's at this place where we're able to you know, figure out, you know, week to week, what's the best deck, what's the best version of this deck. I think we kind of got it locked down, at least. What is the thing that is the most competitive, which is going give, to give you a chance to win an event? Um, this topic, I think, for me, at least, kind of solidified the fact that we are not in the um, exploratory stage. We're in the um, what What do I do now stage. Um, so the topic was won by Ben Jones, uh, playing Junda Shadow actually two more copies of Junta Shadow in the top eight alone. Um, and then in addition to that, we have two copies of Heliod Company. And actually, oddly enough, it goes, you know, one, two, one, two um, for Junta Shadow and Heliod Company um, for this event. So the top four is just those two decks. Um, and just to, I guess, for the completionist to me, um, we also do have a copy of Death and Taxes, a copy of Tron, and a copy of Banned Spirits, which I actually thought was a, a good deck from the... Um, MTGO, uh, or sorry, the, the Mox series final three. That was the deck that won that event. It's actually re relatively close there, uh, played by Brendan Roth. Um, where are you so far, I guess, in this format with Jun Death Shadow and Heliod Company? What, what are your thoughts on those two decks? Um, well, to be honest, I'm kind of over it. <laughs> I, I, I just feel like they have been at the top of the metagame for, for long enough now. I'm just, like, ready to move on. Uh, but if 
if I were playing an event tomorrow, I would play Heliod or I would play Amulet. Okay. Uh, so I guess that answers your question. I, I'm on Heliod's side. Yeah. Uh, I think they're both in, you know, my, my big thing with the Heliod Company decks, I, I do think the deck is resilient enough to be able to grind out. Um, I do think the decks like, like Jun Death Shadow has enough interaction um, early in the middle of the game and can close the game fast enough that it, it has the tools it needs to, to be able to interact with Heliod Company effectively and be able to win. And I think that's kind of what you're seeing uh, at least in the finals here, and I think throughout this top eight, I think, and I don't have the data um, here. Um, actually, no, I do have the data here. They, they, they do have all, all the decks here. Um, Helix Company was the most popular deck in this event, right? It's 11 out of the 70 decks here. Um, and Jenda Shadow was second with nine, and then we go to Tron, um, Blitz um, decks, and Death and Taxes after that, and then a swath of three and twos and whatnot. But I do think... Um, Jenda Shadow is the deck that actually is able to interact with um, Heliod Company at all the critical points, and that's the reason why we're seeing it winning um, in this metagame. I think if Heliod Company comes down in numbers, we're going to see Jun Shadow come down in numbers too. I, th I think it's just a, a you know, predator-prey cycle at this point. Um, I'm not sure too, and I'll say it like this, I do think Heliod Company, and I, I think you and I have been up on this train for a while, is probably the best thing you could be doing in this, in this format. So if the deck I'm actually afraid of is just Jun Death Shadow, I think I'm okay with that. I don't think that's a, enough to really push me off the deck uh, for right now. So here, here's a question. Are you actually scared of Jun Death Shadow or are you just scared of the top Death Shadow pilots? Because like looking at this, yes, I will say uh, based off this very limited amount of information we have, it looks like John might have done slightly better than Heliod, mm -hmm. uh, which makes you think that it's probably got some sort of hatch there. But like first place is Ben Jones, who is a well-noted Death Shadow aficionado. Yep. I think he won a GP with Death Shadow. I believe he did. Uh, and then third place is uh, Doomwake, who is also kind of a noted Death Shadow aficionado and just like released a huge primer for this deck this mm -hmm. past week. So it's like, yeah. It came in first and third uh, and did well against Heliod. But, you know, it's the top players for the archetype. Um, let's not be saying, like, I think Heliod is way better or Death Shadow is way worse, you know? Yeah. I, I think it probably is close, but I don't think it's a scary thing. No. Yeah. And just just kind of your point, too, besides Ben Jones, Devin O'Donnell, you also see... Um, just had the name. Uh, Matthew Vuk's in here too. Joshua Bell's in here also. Um, Even the 15th place player on Shadow is somebody who I know as a Dash Shadow player who's pretty good. Okay. Yeah, and I also saw um, Chris uh, Giglio, who also has a pretty good um, stream if you haven't checked him out too. Um, also been playing a, t a, ton, a ton of Shadow decks recently and has switched from Rakdos to John Dash Shadow. Um, like, th these are good players. You're definitely right. And these are not just like run-of-the-mill people um, that you normally would run into at a local store. These are these are actual grinders who play this deck game in and game, um, you know, day out, and do not make mistakes. So, yeah, I'm 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 not afraid of the random shadow players. I'm I am. You're right. I'm afraid of these specific guys. I, I'm not trying to run into them in this matchup, um, and in the top eight of an event, but. Yeah, in general, I'm not, I'm not really... I mean, you and I in general are not really people who are concerned with 
specific matchups. Like we can normally play ourselves out of it, uh, you know, assuming play skill things like that. So. Also, while we are kind of talking about these two decks, I just want to point out that uh, I believe the stock version of Heliod is reverting back to the Arbor Elf uh, Utopia Sprawl version. Mm -hmm. I just want to say I called it because I never strayed. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, like it's fine. Like, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of it. I'm not. I'm not opposed to it. They're, they're just different. Scoreboard. Well, I think if you're, I think if you're going to get picked off, and this is look at Ben Jones' um, list here. Um, like this deck is playing the two main deck copies of Lava Manther. Like. I, I'm kind of on board with not having a bunch of things that just die to main deck Lava Mancer in this deck. Like, that that makes sense to me. I'm not, I'm not shocked um, that you'd be able to play, or want to not play that. Um, a bunch of mana dorks. Like, I'd rather play the enchantment. Um, he is playing uh, copies of Cleansing Wildfire. I'm not sure if they, he would necessarily bring those into this matchup. I don't think he necessarily need them. There's no way. No. Like, There's no way. But also, I would just play around it, because it's basically free. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you're more concerned with um, their, them bringing in things like Assassin Trophy um, and Unravel. I don't Aether. think you bring that in either, although I don't actually know. I mean, I think you're definitely bringing in Unravel the Aether. Um, I could I could imagine not bringing in Trophy. Like, I, I wouldn't be shocked one way or the other. But um, I, I think the main thing is just not getting comboed, right? Like, I think Unravel the Aether obviously shuffle, shuffling away Heliod is massive. Um, and everything else between the Lava Manther, the four uh, Fatal Pushes and the four Lightning Bolts and the two Dismembers and the four Thought Seeds, like, I think you're not dying to things necessarily off the top um, with any consistency. Um, especially when you start talking about getting... Um, try, sorry, uh, trying to recur value um, with Luris going into the game. Like, you're not going to run out of cards... Um, relatively easily um they're not playing anything like a what they like got one copy of seal of fire which is what i was looking for seeing if they had a seal of fire or something like that that you rec could recur as removal but uh i can imagine this game not not allowing your opponent to get to that situation where it, it really matters too much one way or the other um even if they do have the mana dorks or the um enchantment like i don't think it particularly matters Um, but yeah, and like, once again, the rest of this, um, just kind of looking at the rest of this, um, the third most popular deck we talked about was Tron. After that, we've copied the, like, the Blitz decks, which, once again, if my, um, top two enemies here are Heliod and Jun Shadow, like, I'm not sure if I want to be playing any Blitz decks, like, Blue-Red Blitz versus the four Lightning Bolt for Fatal Push deck seems miserable. Um... I'll, although I do, I will admit, I do like playing Blitz decks against Shadow decks in general, but Junja Shadow is not the one I, I want to be playing against. I'd rather play against Grixis or uh, Red Black if I have a choice. Um, also, your um, old teammate Mickey Siegel playing Devoted to Devastation. I've never seen someone stay as committed to the cause. That was not my teammate. I thought he was your Wrong teammate. Wrong Mickey. Wrong Mickey. Oh. 
different Mickey. Okay. Well, this is one of those decks, too, and, like, I'm just, like, trying to figure out at this point, like, um, Devoted Devastation we haven't seen in a while, and I, I do think, you know, Finale Devastation is obviously a hell of a card. Um, big fan of Devoted True. It actually got mine signed by um, the artist, which I'm really excited about still. They're in my binder at this point. Um, you know, same thing with um, Vizier Remedies. Like, that's a obviously a really powerful combo, um, but it's really just not anything we've seen in a while. So, is there any... Do you see any benefit to playing Devoted Devastation over playing, um, like, the traditional Heliod Company at this point? I don't know. I'm pretty convinced that this version's just worse. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I think that the big plus in my mind is you get to play Postmortem Lunge in this version, so you do have that kind of, like, get-out-of-jail-free button if you, you know, if, if your opponent sets that up for you. Um, I'd rather play Collected Company. Yeah, I'd rather play Collected Company too. That's a much better uh, box <laughs> or button to play. That, that being said, back when the Companion still had their original rule, you might remember people were playing an 80-card version where they kind of played both combos. I was a big fan of that build too. Okay. Yeah, I mean... That one's really sweet because, like, uh, yeah, it was just a really cool list. Because so you could actually play, like... Um, Anafenza of that version too, which mm -hmm. was really nice. I do like Anafenza. I mean, I, I still miss the days of playing Anafenza, playing Malira. I mean, they were good times. They're good people. It was it was fun. Your your decks, or I mean, your games ended in different ways. I mean, mm -hmm. your games always ended by you comboing your opponent or you losing, but like <laughs> it wasn't the same combo every time. It was yeah. you know it was a nice variety change of pace. That's true. Um, yeah, just looking at this deck too, it's just like, I'm, they're still committed to playing four Eladomri's Call, which I, I guess the benefit of, of this is that, like, you're not, you're not as man intensive as you were before, right? Like, your one drops that are not, are not white, produce white mana. So, like, it's very easy for you to just say, I want to turn one plains or turn one forest, and my forest is going to allow me to get a plains later, so I can actually cast my stuff. Um, it just... Surprised to see it, like Eldarmy's call in such high numbers. Um, one of the issues I had with this deck, uh, you know, before when I was playing um, Devoted Devastation, is the fact that you get in this weird situation where you have infinite green mana, which is obviously really good, um, but you don't have anything, you know, outside of, you know, Finale and Eldritch Evolution, right? If you don't have one of those two cards, um, you can just never actually cast your Shalai. Like, you get in this weird situation where, like, I have an infinite green, if I can get Shalai on the battlefield, I win. I just don't have a single white mana, so I'm going to die instead. Um, and obviously, it doesn't happen all the time, but it, it's one of those things that, that's always uh, been a, a concern of mine with, with this deck, so. Yeah, it's kind of weird not seeing any Duskwatch recruiters, because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, having that or Elder Revolution into it was always another out. You could go through your entire deck and then get Walking Ballista. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's that. I think that's the way I would normally go through it. But I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting deck. It's just definitely a throwback. It's it's good to see, uh, you know, Devoted Druid Vizier. It's good to see Finale and you know Razor Verge Thicket. Under underrated cards here. So I'm uh, off it. Uh, yes. Also in modern though, so we had the modern PTQ as well. Mm -hmm. uh, shout out to uh, Levi, who won the whole thing with Amulet Titan. 
love to see it. Love to see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, was he doing anything no. like particularly like different, or was it like a fairly stock list? No, it was about as stock as you can be. Okay. But uh, the stock list is pretty good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I feel like it took us a minute to to get to the stock list, but I I think it I think it's really really well done. Okay. Um, you know, I know he put a lot of work into it over the week, uh, so. Just cool seeing him take it down with, you know, one of, if not my favorite decks in Modern. Yeah. Is it? Is also, that a, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say there were one or two more copies of Amulet in the top eight, too, which is really nice. And then also a good friend of mine, Rodney Bedell, came uh, and I don't remember what place, but I know he finished 7-3 with uh, the Elvish Reclaimer build of Amulet Titan. Okay. So. Love to see that too. Um, yeah, it's always cool when people are innovating on decks. Mm-hmm. I I haven't actually played with the Elvish Reclaimer build, but I do like Elvish Reclaimer. And hearing him talk about some of the lines, that version actually sounds pretty sweet to me. And I can see some upside to playing that, so I definitely want to try that out this week too. Uh, well, I, the like well, I guess I, there's some decks I want to try out too. Do you mind if we if we um, I. You showed me these. I think these are really interesting innovations. I guess they we're kind of going back to legacy for a second. Do you mind? No, I mean that's fine. Okay. Love legacy. <laughs> so was it we? So I've been playing a, a ton of Hogak, and actually we actually have been playing in that um, Discord league that we talked about last week. Uh, you and I actually have to play in the final. We got to figure out a time to to play our championship match. You can just concede now. Save the effort if you want. No. I mean, like, I'm going to lose. I'm going to lose with style. Um, I picked up most of the cards for this deck now. So I have, I got my Venge Vines. I got my um, Grave Crawlers. So I can actually play it without the proxies, which I'm really excited about. I have the Dried Arbors coming, I think, at the end of the week. Um, so I'm excited to win with honor or lose and cry and complain about it the whole time. So um, That one. Yeah. <laughs> but, um you know, you were actually saying that they're playing different versions of the deck, and I, one of the big things for me, I guess, um, you know, with that big combo finish you get with playing, uh, you know, having the Bridge of Belows in the Graveyard, stacking your Hogak, uh, milling over another bridge, um, and then, you know, using Ultra Dimension to really accrue a high number of zombies before you eventually mill, uh, mill out your opponent. Um, but you're actually saying there's versions of the deck that are no longer playing Ultra and consequently no longer playing Bridge from Below. Yeah, I mean, so a level, I don't know if these versions are better or worse or, you know, the exact same. Um, but I know Tom Harvey has been working on this and then uh, Liam Callahan was, has been working on this. I know they've both been happy with it. Uh, that being said, Dom played with Ultra Dementors in the PTQ despite working on this. But I think he said he was just too... Uh, too uncertain to pull the trigger okay. not necessarily that the version without was worse mm-hmm. and i know liam has been piloting to uh, i think he said around like a s- two-thirds win percentage okay. you know s- solid yeah um so the one i guess and one thing there's two different li- lists i'm looking at here the the first one is still is pretty blue heavy right they're they're cutting those eight cards um, this is allowing them to add 
and once again, it gets, it depends on, on the deck list, right? Um, like the version I'm playing in paper right now is playing for Bloodgast. Um, this version is playing for Bloodgast too, but I've seen versions that only play three. Um, the, the big things that are I guess, visible changes uh, from a default Hogak list, though, is this one's playing four copies of Carrion Feeder, which normally they play, you know, zero or one, um, which I think is a really interesting card, a really good card. Um, but they're also playing four Brainstorms, which is a little a little bit more out there than um, from from a standard list. Like, you don't normally see any copies of Brainstorm in, in this deck. So that's, that's really interesting to see. I don't know if you know this, but Brainstorm is a powerful Magic the Gathering card. It, it of course is, yeah, but it, it's one of those cards that uh, if I'm going to put cards back on top of my deck, it's because I want to eventually mill them. What card is better at milling cards than the <laughs> Alter Dementia? Um, it's just interesting that you would play Brainstorm in this deck, and obviously you do have a, a number of shuffle effects too, don't get me wrong, but it's interesting you would play the Brainstorm, but get rid of the thing that allows you to clean, clear off the top of your deck. But you still do so, a Hedron Crab, which I guess is a... Is a possible way to do it yourself though yeah i mean i think the whole thing is um you often don't need alter dementia for the kills mm -hmm. like you can kind of just aggro people out and i think uh having brainstorm kind of facilitates one game plan a little bit easier uh the alters always looked slightly clunky to me when i played with them you know they're they're fine mm -hmm. uh you know they do win you a lot of games but like drawing multiple is so bad so i think i think the brainstorms make sense um but you know they did end up cutting the brainstorms eventually too mm -hmm. so maybe we should talk about the evol the further evolution yeah so if you cut the brainstorms um you could eventually instead and still playing the four carrying feeders which i think is cool um, but you still get to play, oh, instead you get to play a kit, um, sorry, a Theater Wayfinder, uh, which is obviously a throwback from Born of the Gods, um, one and a green for a 1-1, one, one, enter the battlefield, re reveal the top four cards of your library, reveal a land from them, and put the rest into your graveyard. Um, which I think is, gets a little bit better, like, I'm, I'm more on board with this, um, once again, I guess putting the cards back on top if you have a way to clear them, I guess Stitcher Supplier also is a way to clear them for yourself, along with a huge drawn crab, but... Um, the Seder Wayfinder, I think, is a little bit more up my alley, where I think you are you have so many cards that you don't mind being in the graveyard necessarily, um, between, you know, Bloodgast, Vengevine, Hogak, um, and, you know, Cabal Therapy. So I, I think that's not too bad. Um, it does definitely stack up the graveyard a little bit more, but this, the Seder Wayfinder is one of those cards that it it doesn't play both sides of the ball particularly well and it, it's not like it's gonna win you games like i don't think theater wayfinder is a card that really you know blows the doors off any games that resolves um the big benefit i i think with that card though is it does allow you to cast hogak a little more reliably just being another green creature uh, so as somebody who has played theater wayfinder and legacy before mm -hmm. i i actually really like the look of this list. Okay. I think Seder Wayfinder is just really good in these Hogak strategies in general. I think, you know, milling things like Finfind is really nice while also actually being a creature to trigger it. Um, Seder Wayfinder is like insane with Cabal Therapy. Very good with Hogak. I, I don't know. I just think it's really synergistic in this stack. 
I don't think it's ever like the best card, mm-hmm. but it really just kind of enables everything so powerfully and also kind of soothes out your draws a little bit. Like, I think it looks really good here. It's just, it's so sad just not playing bridge from below, though. I mean, like, I, you're playing four copies of the carrying feeder and there's no bridge to take advantage of it. It's just, it's just sad. I mean, you don't have to play those lists. I, mean, I don't have to, no. I mean, I'm probably not going to. But I, I like. I, I was well, just making you wear it. Well, yeah, yeah. That's lazy. You should try it out. Like uh-huh. if you're gonna call yourself a Hogak player, you should do your homework. Yeah, I, I, I've been doing so much homework though. Um, but yeah, no, I probably should try it out. I mean, like it definitely is interesting. It's just the idea of adding the the feeder and then taking away one of the payoffs for playing carrying feeders is interesting to me. And like you can obviously sacrifice, um, you know, blood gas, vengeance, vines, um, and grave crawler ad nauseum for value right so like i i definitely don't understand it um but it's definitely one of those things that i think i have to, i'm gonna have to play this in order to kind of see the the additional value there um ironically too and we talked about this um during my third match um i normally in a lot of games you play the alters in game one but your opponents are boarding in uh, pithing needle or they're playing sorcerer's spyglass right but they're dealing with they have ways to deal with the altar because a lot of decks don't have a way to reliably deal with that outside of you know actually just nuking your graveyard things like that um so i think it's actually really interesting playing a version of the deck that just doesn't have altar so when your opponent does bring in the, those needles you're like oh i i don't have anything you want uh, but they they won't know that until you know it's, it's way too late so that's interesting Love a good sideboard juke. Hmm. It's like a pre-board juke. Like, they, they don't... You never never had it. Never even had it. Um, yeah. I do... Pre- just looking at these two sideboards, too. Um, I... The one's playing four copies of Assassin's Trophy. The one's playing just two copies of Abrupt Decay. Like, I, I'm on board with the split. Like, I think you need to split those numbers up. I'm always two and two. I think it's always good to play a copy of each. They do different stuff. I just don't think you should play any Assassin's Trophies uh, because Assassin's Trophy can interact with Dark Depths, and I don't know why you would want to do that. I mean, it just mostly for fun, right? Because it, it's fun to blow up your opponent's lands, but I mean, my, my big no, thing not. is... <laughs> my big thing is it, it's, a, it's a really good, um, you know, obviously powerful answer um, that happens to also be green. So it, it's able to either be pitched to your force of vigor or it's able to itself blow up a Leyland the Void. So I, I, that's the reason I always like having it um, in the deck. I think it's just a, a really good yeah. answer. In all seriousness, I do think Trophy is better than Decay for this strategy. Yeah. I mean, like, I think the Decays are really nice for the Del- in the Delver matchups um, where you do get to you know, 100% knock out a creature and if they are playing something like um, I was going to say rest in peace. There not many Delver decks will play rest in peace, but um, if they do have some kind of interaction for you, um, Abrupt Decay normally does deal with it there, but they're not normally playing Leyland of the Void too out of most Delver strategies. Um, so, unfortunately, it doesn't either way it doesn't kill anything like Cloythus uh, because it's indestructible, which is super annoying. Um, so you're gonna have to deal with that. But overall, I think I think. Yeah, I, I think I'm in the same boat. I think Assassin's Trophy is definitely a necessity. And I, I don't, once again, I don't think you need four necessarily. Um, but I think the 2-2 two, two split is probably fine. 
Okay, speaking of Clothis, mm -hmm. uh, sorry, this is kind of random. Everything so I was random. playing a league with green-white depths earlier today. Sure. Um, and my Delver opponent brought in Clothis. I guess to Would be... you, I, Does that make sense? Like, it kind of does eat a land. Mm -hmm. Like, you can eat a land each turn mm -hmm. to shrink Elvish Reclaimer and Knight, but, like, you don't really want to be eating lands mm -hmm. because that doesn't deal damage. Like, um, I, I don't I, know, it just... Seems so slow. Yeah, it does seem slow. I, it depends on what the rest of their plan is, I guess. Like if their if their goal is to just not get bullied by like a big Nether Reliquary, I can imagine doing it. Um, like I do, I do like the idea of just making sure that they are constantly being cut down to size. Um, but I, I mean, and once again, I have, I'd have to see what the rest of their sideboards. What what deck were they playing? Did you did you say that? They were on Rug Delver. It just didn't make sense to me. Not sure if I'm missing something. No. no I don't think so. I don't, I don't think I would bring that in. Okay, I'm glad we agree. Yeah. Um, we can get back to being on topic. I mean... Although we were kind of already off topic. Yeah, we were already off topic. <laughs> this, is, this is the slow um, slide into insanity here. No, I mean, just... I'm trying to think, what else do they play in their sideboard for Rook Delver that you'd be... That's even better than Clothis. I mean, like, I don't think they have anything particularly great. Like, I don't. I don't think there necessarily is a stock sideboard. But that being said, my my question isn't even necessarily what are their better sideboard cards, but just I don't think that card's doing very much. So like, you're probably better off just leaving your main deck as a more like cohesive deck. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, like, I'm, if you have some mergers, you bring those in. If you have surgicals, like, you can bring those in, and those are okay. Um, and, like, I kept bringing in Sylvan Library, mm -hmm. but I don't, as, and, like, I know that's a mid-range card, but I don't get Clothis. Yeah. Like, I, I think I would like, bring in, I mean, I think I would bring in surgicals and Library. Like, I'm just looking at a random, I'm looking at an HA Kaiser list sideboard, so, I mean, fairly reasonable, right? I think I would bring those in. I mean, this deck, deck's actually playing Brazen Bar on the main deck, so I guess that makes the matchup a little bit more bearable here, but I I don't know. Yeah, I don't think I would bring it in. But I, I understand if, you're, if your goal is to just keep everything down to size and be able to pick things off of Laning Bolts and Chain Laning when you can, I, I get that at least. Um, okay. I think we're... I think we're... Um, done talking about Hogak. I, I definitely will try playing one of these lists at least and see how they go. Um, hope, at the very least, I mean, like, I learned something new. At, at the very worst, I, I waste a couple hours of my life, which might not be the worst. Um, we are toward the end of the cube. I know the cube ends actually, what, tomorrow? Did you get to play uh, any more of it? Uh, no. No. Okay. I was trying to prep for the, for the Legacy PTQ. Okay. Yeah, I didn't play any of it either. I, I watched plenty of videos. I, I know Numa's going to have some videos hopefully coming up soon. I'll watch those too. Um, but I didn't get a chance to play. Um, the thing I am hoping that, I don't know if you saw this, um, got announced, I think today. Um, but the Super Qualifiers are coming back. And in, a uh, in addition to those, they're going to have those um, all-access tokens again for 25 bucks. Super exciting. I see everything. Everything. <laughs> yeah, I, I was pretty... Ex well, when I first saw it, I was really mad because they keep announcing these things, like, too soon. 
so that I can't take off work. Uh Um, But then I looked and I am free for the one of the modern ones because there's two. Uh, So I can play the first modern qualifier and the legacy qualifier. So pretty excited. Awesome. Um, I'm trying to figure out even which ones I can play in. I I should be able to play in because I'm off for some of these days. So I should be able to play in a couple of them. Um, but once again, it, it, I'm running on, it's not, it's not my schedule I'm running on, I'm running on, on baby schedule, so we'll, we'll see what I actually am able to play in. Um, I definitely, the one on the fifth, um, which is actually, I guess it's the modern super qualifier. That's the one I, I am kind of banking on. I have off from school. Um, I should be able to just hopefully, um, you know, board up somewhere and, um, oh shoot! Is that Easter Monday? It's Easter Monday, yeah. Oh no, I have plans. <laughs> oh, that's unfortunate. Okay, I guess I can only play Legacy. I didn't even consider that. Yeah. So, sorry, buddy. Yeah. Here, please <laughs> play one. We still have to play one. That's fine. It's totally fine. Yeah. No, I'll play that one. I, I, I should be able to play on the, the Friday one, too. I always forget that this is... My brain always like, oh, it's Eastern time, but it's actually Pacific time for some reason. Um, so, like, we can actually play in... You mean for some reason? Their their headquarters is in Pacific time. Sure. But, like, I just don't know why this doesn't change depending on what area you're in. Like, it's it's the year 2021. They can do this. Because it's text-based. Yeah. Look, but like, Billy, the world does not revolve around you. They don't need to bow down to what you want. I just, I just, okay, I cannot imagine being in, like, Europe and just being like, okay, it's 2 p.m. Pacific. So that means it's, oh gosh, okay, what's the time? So they're, they're UTC negative 7, and I'm UTC, like, I don't want to play that game, that's terrible. Just, like, make it so it's web-based, so you know where I am, I'm going to, it's going to change. Like, text-based is just nonsense at this point. Whatever. I don't know. What do I know? I'm going to point out this is the company that couldn't keep their auto-post auto-posting. Do you expect them to be able to figure this out? Um, this is also the company that has um, their foils that have been defective for like two years now. They haven't fixed it. So like I, there are some things I, I, I do understand, but... I will say, though, I've heard that the the new foil, or like the Time for Power Remastered foils don't bend because... It's the old process. Therefore, we should clearly just go back to the old process. Yeah. Well, the it, it, the the cards from the set do, but not literally not the ones the um not the time shifted not ones. the time shifted ones. Okay, that's good. That's really that's really funny. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that's the ones I'm excited about. I mean, like it's it's cool that we get the these back at least the tokens. I'm excited to hopefully play some decks that are over my bar limit again just for a little bit. All right. We should probably start get, wrapping up here. Um, do you have a story you want to tell this week? I do. Okay. So this story takes place at, I want to say, Ixalan pre-release. Okay. Um, definitely a pre-release. Definitely a fairly recent set. Uh Actually, can we even call Ixalan recent anymore? No, it's like three years ago. 
recent enough. Recent enough, um, sure. <laughs> that just made me feel old. Dude, I mean, like, I well, I, I think about how old I am all the time. It's, it's very, uh, mortality is a thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I was listening to somebody talk about how uh, how long ago Time Spiral came out. I was like, oh, God, that was my first set. Yeah. I mean, I, I started playing before. I mean, like, once again, I, I know there are people, like, my brother started playing in um, Arabian Nights, I think it was. I might have been Ice Age, but, like, in that in that window. So, like, whenever he talked about magic cards, he's like, oh, I have my Circle Protection deck, which I, like, I was like, yeah, I know. I know, old man. Um <laughs> So like just my thing is like I remember when Wild Mongrel was a playable card and Aquamiba was the best card of the format. Circular Logic was unbeatable. Like yeah, yeah I know. That card's cool. <laughs> card is cool. Um, <laughs> oh, Anyways, so uh, playing at this pre-release, and you know, I'm just playing against some some guy. I don't know this player. Um, I'm kind of new to this LGS. Um, so I'm just playing what I think is a reasonable match. You know, I'm not, I'm not playing fast. I'm not playing slow. Like I'm just kind of playing at a fairly average pace, uh, but I am, you know, taking time to read the new cards. Cause I don't know what any of them are. Sure. Uh, I think this was at a time where I was tr- actually, I might've been playing slightly slower. Cause I was, I think uh, this might've been around the time I was trying to be more mindful of my plays. Cause uh, I can play pretty fast, and I had been playing too fast for a while and making some dumb mistakes. But, like, I really don't think I was, like, slow playing by any means, to be clear. So uh, I'm playing this game, and, you know, it gets to this point, and I'm, like, you know, trying to decide between between two things, and my opponent's, like, getting annoyed, so I just, like, make a decision, uh, and, you know, I'm, like, whatever my opponent is meanwhile playing very quick like very quick um it kind of you know making some questionable choices the kind the kind of things that you know you often see at a pre-release mm-hmm. uh like playing like a giant growth main uh like on main phase uh i mean i don't think it was giant growth but like you know but yeah the effect yeah. some random pump spell uh so the match ends and i win and, like, for reference, there was still, like, 20 minutes left in the round when the match ended. So it's, like, couldn't have been, like, either of us was playing particularly slow. Sure. Uh, and I think my opponent was even late to the round. So, like, I don't even think we started on time. Okay. And so the match ends. We're packing up. And my opponent just goes, like, you know, you don't have to think that much. And I'm, like, <laughs> what? <laughs> well, I just, you know, just trying to make the correct plays. And he's like, yeah, but, like, make them faster. And I'm like, I'm sorry. He's like, uh, you know, magic's, magic's not hard. It's, you know, it's just something like chess. It's a soft game. I was like, I was like, what? It's <laughs> like, I, I would say a lot of people would actually say chess is a very difficult game to master. Like, you can make random plays and lose, but, mm-hmm. like, it takes a lot of effort to be good at magic. I mean, at chess. Uh, <laughs> my opponent's like, yeah, whatever. You just don't need to take that long to make the correct play of magic. It just doesn't make sense. And I was like, 
I mean, I'm just trying not to do something uh, something silly, like play a main phase pump spell. <laughs> like, oh, God. <laughs> But this guy just yelled at me and then <laughs> stormed off to go smoke a cigarette. And I just I just thought it was really funny. And I, I think about it every so often when uh whenever somebody's in the tank, I'm just like, ah, come on, man. Like it's basically chess, it's easy. <laughs> like it's a solved game. <laughs> like what? Jeez. Yeah. I liked that game story, but um a lot of people salted off over super random things. Like there was another time um, I I went to hang out with my friend, um, our friend, Josh, Uh, like I, like he texted me, I was going to the store specifically to spend time with my friend. So uh, we both show up with legacy decks. Right. (laughs) And um, I, so I'm like, I'm there first, or maybe he was there first. I'm trying to remember. Um, and there's somebody else that I think we were waiting on a third friend and there's like this group of guys there and they asked like, Oh, like, do you want to play? And he was like, Oh, like, uh, w- like what format are you playing? They're like, Oh, we're just like playing casually. And he was like, okay, well, like I only have my legacy deck on me. So like trying to play games legacy, like it's fine. I'll sit out, you know? Yeah. Um, Josh is super polite. So he's, he's very nice when he explains this. Like, you know, he's he's a teacher, so like you, he's used to dealing with kids and used to, like, explaining himself clearly, politely, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy just, like, gets mad at him. <laughs> it's like, you shouldn't come to, come to a local game store if you're not prepared to play with everyone. Like, what? you should just have multiple decks on you so that you are ready to play the format that people want to play. And I was just like, this is the most entitled thing I've ever heard that he should come here and be willing to do what you want yeah. even though he came to hang out with his friends like what a weird entitled like yeah that's <laughs> weird what a weird like form of gatekeeping <laughs> gosh yeah that's that's madness I'm like who and like literally who walked into a game store and was like i've got my standard deck my modern deck my legacy deck i bought a cube i bought you know what i mean like who's who's ready for all of that that's a that's a whole afternoon like, yeah. So I actually used to do that, but my book bag was too heavy. So screw that. <laughs> like my my big thing too is like I don't want to play with everybody. I want to play with like four people here. The rest of you guys are terrible at magic and are super rude. So like, <laughs> I want to play with all you guys. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. I'm not trying to do that. That's miserable. That's so funny. All right, let's get out of here. Um, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at Expedition Map on both Twitter and Twitch. Where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Bad Luck Bandit. If you're interested in finding the show, the show is at Depth underscore Podcast on Twitter. Um, you can also email the show if you'd like to at DarkDepthPod at gmail.com. Uh, if you send us a message, we will probably read it. We might even respond. Oh, uh, we might just ignore it. We might actually just, like, laugh at your grammar. So, you know, be careful. Just a uh, heads up. Um, <laughs> uh, I think that's about it. Um, I guess I'll see you next week. I will see you next week. All right. Bye.